Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Motherfuckers, you already know who it is and what it is. Spin this. It is currently entering your auditory cavities. And you know what it is because you've already clicked on it. So, no introduction needed. Mic drop. And I'm Sam. I'm going to have to do something about that mic drop. Fuck. (laughs) You should record another mic drop and, like, add it in post. (laughs) Yeah. I should have dropped my mic. Yeah. Okay, well... Dropped a gentleman named Michael. We have uh, an episode ahead of us, obviously. So um, because of that, uh, we actually have most segments planned out, whereas uh, in most cases, there's some mixture of planning and uh, free form, as it were. So so um, to provide some context, um, we usually start at 6 o'clock. Uh, you were a little late getting started. I mean... I don't. I don't mind. Usually, uh, I'm a little late getting started. Anyway, you as in me. What's that? You were a little late, as in I was a little late. What are you saying? You, You're not talking to the audience, saying they were late getting started. Uh, no, I well, I mean, like by the time this is posted, they would have not known whether <laughs> <laughs> it would have. No, you, you were late. <laughs> All right, so I understand what you're saying. You're saying that I was late because it's currently 6.37 p.m., and usually we start around 6. You were late to the sesh. At the latest. It's true. Today, when I woke up, uh, I looked at the clock, and it said about, like, 6.15, whatever. Uh, And I'm like, oh, shit, did I, like, fall asleep last night and and didn't wake up until... like, Like, I didn't remember the previous evening. Uh, and then I realized I get a message on my phone and it says we're recording the podcast. And I'm like, oh, it's six, like 15 p.m. This was today because I fell asleep like mid-afternoon or no, I, I fell asleep like maybe at noon. I don't even know what fucking time it was. Uh, but anyways, I didn't remember Sunday evening, um, but that's because it is currently Sunday evening. I thought I woke up at 6 a.m. And then I realized, oh, shit, it's like 6 p.m. And then you were telling me, hey, we're recording the podcast. Wait, so just so I can construct a timeline in my head, you fell asleep in the afternoon is what you said around noon. Yes. Right? Yeah. But what transpired before that? Why did you or did you just like um, did you just have like a long nap? Is that what happened? Yes. Oh, I thought okay. that. <laughs> I thought you were like, up like. Uh, all hours of the night doing something. No, I woke up uh, and it was dark outside, and I'm like, oh, it must. And I look at the clock and I didn't see the p.m. I thought like, oh shit, it's six a.m. And I couldn't remember Sunday evening because I thought it was six a.m. Monday morning. So right now you're groggy, basically. You're groggy, Jim. Yeah, uh, I am in fact the James Grog <laughs> himself. All right. Well, I'm gonna have the dominant position in the podcast because I was. Act- I'm actually. Yeah, I am for the most part prepared for the podcast though. Okay. All right. Well, let's see if you can uh, usurp my dominance. But right now, you're uh, you're the sub. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have that position throughout. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you just want to go right into news and or commentary, but 
I have. Yeah, I'll, I'll give. I have one news before we get into like the main news that we were talking about. Do it up. Um, and and that was that another one of Paul McCartney's EPs uh, was dropped on Spotify, and that one is the theme of love. So now he has three, or no, he has, I think, three of these EPs that have come out. And by the time we record our next podcast, he will have released McCartney 3. Good. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, man. I, Album of the year. Yeah, I'm sure. 10 out of 10. IGN. I'm sure. I'm sure it will be Album of the Year. Um, <laughs> speaking of Album of the Year. Oh, and, can I do one more? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, speaking of Paul McCartney and Spotify, uh, everyone in the world who uses Spotify got their little thing of, you know, this year is your statistics in review kind of thing. This is what you listen to the most in 2020, according to Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone in the world that uses Spotify. So Aiden, I don't assume that you got one. No, I'm, I'm still living in the dark ages. <laughs> yeah, you're still, you've, you've just, uh, were inherited by a music service after the death of Google play. Wait, are you saying that you don't use Napster? <laughs> is Spotify uh, just no. like a Napster ripoff? Um, it's yes, but legally. Okay. Well, I, I don't uh, recognize legality. <laughs> um, so I use, I use Spotify because I'm a normal person and I got my stats. Would you care to guess who my number one artist that I listen to is? Even though you already know, and it's obvious anyway. Uh, Kid Rock. Yes, but actually Paul McCartney. Fuck. Um, I was I was so <laughs> close. And uh, it says like, you were blank percentage uh, of the top listeners of this artist, uh, and mine was zero point zero five percent top Paul McCartney listeners. Um, which I'm like, oh shit, that's pretty cool. I love how and you then, like other. I love how you preface this bit by saying I'm a normal person, and then that, uh, <laughs> and that was the the premise that supported that argument. Yeah, man. Uh, and then it, I see other people sharing their stats, and like for other artists, they're like, I saw some people that were like top one percent or top two percent listeners for an artist, and the other like next lowest percent number I've seen was 05 percent. Mm. And mine is 0.05%. So this, uh, I think, is pretty much the, 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 you know, the final nail in the coffin that I am the number one Paul McCartney fan, at least on Spotify. Yeah, pro- that's probably true because no one else cares. <laughs> like, to be, like, let, let's be completely honest. I mean, he's like 40 years past his prime. So, uh, uh, but you're saying that. That uh, when he made the hit band The Beatles and was absolutely like the most famous songwriter in the world. Yeah, it was You're saying that he's no longer in The Beatles? Then yeah, he's not the greatest band or the most successful band of all time anymore. That's definitely true. And I'm, I'm saying as a solo artist, he also reached his peak probably like 40 years ago. But, I mean, that yeah. doesn't mean that you can't have a, su- a successful comeback. So I'll be, I'll be waiting with bated breath for this new album. <laughs> it's been highly anticipated by, by you. So, uh, I might yeah. as well, um, you know, see if it lives up to the expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Yeah, we'll see. And I've said it before. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, um, uh, speaking of, uh, uh, highly anticipated, uh, <laughs> well, I, what I wanted to do for my news and commentary was, uh, 
cover a piece of news that kind of landed a little outside of our news cycle, which was the Grammy nominations for next year, 2021, which covers this year, of course, has been announced, have been announced, rather. Just to keep this segment uh, relatively succinct, I want to just cover like the categories that most people like care about and discuss my uh, predictions for these categories. Now, I don't really have a high degree of confidence in these predictions because I think they could go either way. Uh, and, and the one thing that is true about the Grammy Awards is that they're uh, unpredictable and tend to choose the most bizarre option out of any given uh, list of nominees. So uh, what I wanted to do is just choose the uh, go through the pop category and then also the general category. And then uh, just like discuss my my predictions for each uh, category. I linked uh, the nominations. Um, the way that they have it kind of laid out is kind of weird uh, because you have to click on the the field and then it brings you down to it. Uh, and then you have, have to kind of like scroll in order to get back to the top in order to get to a different category. Uh but the categories are just listed so for one pop, after each other. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go upwards because it goes from like, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, so for each section, I'm gonna discuss what the uh, the category is or what the criteria is, and uh, I'll I'll just briefly list who's there, and then I'll just discuss my uh, predictions for that. Uh, pe- best pop vocal album. Uh, Changes by Justin Bieber is there. Chromatica by Lady Gaga. Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. Fine Line by Harry Styles. And Folklore by Taylor Swift. Now, to be fair, when I discuss these categories, I have actually haven't listened to a lot of these albums. Props. For in most cases, I've probably listened to a few songs off of them. And, and so that will affect, to some degree, uh, the confidence in my prediction. But I think for this one in particular... Uh, I think uh, I'm just probably going to go with uh, uh, Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. I actually think that Dua Lipa will win in a few categories this year. Um, but given these choices, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that she's probably going to win in that category. Just because I think that that album was both commercially successful and also, uh, and also critically acclaimed as well. So I think it has that kind of combination. And I'm I'm gonna uh, say I don't really know if I want to do. I'm gonna Sorry, say go that uh, that I have never heard Dua Lipa. I don't think I've heard a single song by them. Oh, uh, it's a it's a single artist. Yeah, but I was using a non-specific pronoun because I don't know anything about the oh, artist. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I was trying to not assume genders, Aiden. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I don't want to do traditional pop vocal album. Uh, I feel like that's a category nobody really cares about. Best pop mm-hmm. duo group for performance. I guess we could do that. I mean, I think we've actually covered a lot of these songs. Okay, let's do this. I will say that we covered one of those songs. I think. I think we did it. Uh, we did. Um, oh no! Yeah, you did the Taylor Swift one. Yeah, I did Taylor Swift. Did we not do? Uh, no, we didn't do BTS. There's a lot of BTS no. songs that came out this year that we didn't cover. I think that will probably be uh, "Rain on Me," uh, just because that song uh, actually did. Uh, receive a lot more uh, commercial success than a lot of these other so- songs did, and uh, which has actually surprised me. 
Um, and also, I I don't think I don't see uh, Taylor Swift winning in any like specific song categories. Uh, I don't really think that Justin Bieber is going to win in this category. And then I don't even recognize that first song. <laughs> yeah. Now. So yeah, I would also probably say the Lady Gaga one because that's the one that I've heard on that list. Yeah. To be completely honest, uh, we. It was the one that was. It did successful enough that it it. Uh, went onto the spin this radar true and also we've started our podcast like more than halfway through the year so um we actually yeah. did not cover a lot of pop music that was released in the former half of the year all right yeah. so best pop solo performance we've got <laughs> yummy by justin oh. bieber which was not aka juicy yeah <laughs> which would have been a better uh song title given the subject matter yeah. So this in this case, these are actually uh, songs that I've not only heard, but in many cases, songs that we have actually covered on the podcast yeah. as well. I think I've heard maybe like half of those songs. Yeah. Say So by Doja Cat, Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish, Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa, Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles, and Cardigan by Taylor Swift. Like I said, I don't see Car um, Taylor Swift winning in any specific song categories, but don't worry, she will... Uh, be discussed at a later time. Uh, Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, I This one's actually kind of hard to, to say because none of these are really like, like vocally acrobatic performances. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I would maybe say uh, uh, Dua Lipa because she's the one that like um, is most vocally proficient of this group of people. I don't really see it being Doja Cat. It's not like a very, uh, like even though the song was like extremely successful, I don't really see it uh, being a single song winner. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you are saying. And same thing with Billie Eilish as well. Although yeah. that was and one of my favorite songs of the year. And didn't she win like everything a previous year? Yeah, yeah. Like I don't expect her to win the same type of categories again back to back or anything i suspect not as well i think she'll probably get a few but i think one of the reasons why she uh swept uh last year was because she was like a relatively new artist as well and also just because of how like m immensely successful some of her songs were all right so i actually did write down like for those ones i kind of just did like a free form thing like i just said mm -hmm. wh whatever came to my my head but for this the general field which is what the the primary field that i wanted to cover i actually yeah. did write down who i thought would win uh, unfortunately i don't have that text document i think i might have <laughs> accidentally deleted it but i think i remember who i wrote down okay uh for best new artist uh so the uh to be honest with you as well like i don't know most of these artists uh yeah but i i think yeah i have an idea of what i would guess yeah I but I actually don't so I mean like based on popularity alone you would think that it would be either Doja Cat or Megan Thee Stallion um, yeah. but I think the thing about this category is that they don't always choose the most commercially successful artist um, uh, the only exception to that or, or is when like you have a single artist that has that is new and is able to achieve such like immense critical acclaim uh, mm -hmm. I don't think Doja Cat or Megan Thee Stallion necessarily did that just because they only had like one or two charting singles. Um, 
I actually think they'll they'll do a safe choice and go with Phoebe Bridgers just because uh, um, that album was so like critically acclaimed as well. And uh, I mean, if you look at the trajectory between uh, like the previous career, like prior to 2020, and then just how uh, successful she was in 2020, um, I'm not sure if you've uh, listened to any of her works, but it's more like uh, like proper singer songwriter, like kind of piano pop, um, very kind of ornate. I, I will say I have never heard of her before this list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like uh, um, uh, I, I, I had actually just recently got into her music, uh, but uh, mm. it's good stuff, actually. It's just, uh, a lot better than, uh, you know, a lot of regular piano pop that's on the radio. I will say that my prediction is Megan the Stallion. Like, uh, Possibly, so yeah. uh, she had that song, I think it was Savage, where it had Beyonce on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I don't think, I mean, the fact that she's in the best new artist category kind of confirms that it, it's understandable that I never heard of her before that because she is a uh, new artist, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she did WAP. Yeah, she was on WAP as well. I mean, based purely on... So, like, on, that's a big fucking... That was probably arguably the biggest song that happened recently. Possibly. Like, based pu- based purely on uh, commercial success alone, yeah, that would actually... That would be a good case. Which is why, uh, as I've said before, I don't really have, like, a huge degree of confidence. Uh, this is this is one category where I don't have a, a large degree of confidence in just because... Um, I actually don't know most of these artists, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there are there are other categories that we'll get to where I feel like I will um, I'll put my hat in the ring and actually, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't know what uh, what kind of more gambling terminology there is. Play the odds. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, there's song of the year and the difference between and there's actually song of the year and record of the year, which are two yeah. di- different things, which confuses a lot of people. Uh, and it confuses me as well. Yeah. Uh, song of the Year, the difference between Song of the Year and Record of the Year is that Song of the Year specifically uh, is aimed at the songwriters, um, hmm. whereas Record of the Year is more of like a production and recording aspect. So hmm. uh, it's sort of like the difference between, remember we talked about performing rights and then recording rights? Uh, yeah. It's, it's basically that. So, I mean, a song can just be... Uh, you know, just the lyrics and then the composition itself. Whereas record of the year is more about it can, it's even awarded to the producers and the recording engineers. So it's more about the final product itself for this. uh, What did I have? Oh yeah. I had don't start now. Like I said before, I still Mm. think, I think Dua Lipa is going to do really well in this category. Um, I don't think it'll be Billie Eilish, although that was probably what like a song that I liked even more is everything I wanted. Um, uh, what it was there? I don't think it's going to be Taylor Swift. Like I said before, I don't think she's going to win in any specific categories. Um, although she has a few songs uh, nominated as a category. Or no, uh, no, just uh, she only has one song in this category. That makes sense. Uh, while, while I can't recall this song off the top of my head, but I remember listening to The Circles by Post Malone. Yeah. And I remember, I think it was an early, it was, Pre Joe Pass Joe Smash, it was uh, I believe a banger. Yeah, we reviewed it. Yeah, that song is one I considered as well. It's possible that it might uh, it might be that one. 
I think... I, yeah, I don't know if it'll be that one, but that was one of the ones that I remember listening to. I think both of them were commercially successful. I think Don't Start Now was a little more commercially successful and had a little yeah. more time in the uh, the top 100. So that's, that's yeah, what I don't, I'm thinking. I don't think I listened to the Dua Lipa one, but it's definitely one that I recognize as being a more long-standing uh, hit. If you've listened to uh, the radio, you probably, you, you've probably heard it. You might be able to recognize it. Okay, I haven't listened to the radio. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I don't work in an office 9 to 5 setting. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I am, so I'm inundated with a lot of these songs. Uh, so yeah. Album of the Year. So this is where I think that uh, um, it's quite possible that Taylor Swift might get this category. Uh, yeah. Just because I know that they they go for like a pretty bizarre and safe choice for this category, like I remember when um, uh, Beck won this category way back in like 2015 or something like that, and it was for mm-hmm. an album that was like not even like it, it. I can't remember. It was like it was very stylistically similar to Sea Change, but it wasn't Sea Change. Yeah, morning phase or something. Morning phase, that's the one. For some yeah. reason, he won in that category, which was like pretty bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, I saw a video from like I guess early two thousands or maybe like late nineties even, where Steely Dan won Album of the Year. Yeah, and it was up against some fucking well known albums. I think a Radiohead album, uh, maybe OK Computer. Mm-hmm. I, I that's the only one I can name off the top of my head. It was up against a Beck album. Um, like when, when you saw like what it was up against, uh, even someone that enjoyed that particular Steely Dan album, I would have said like, well, every other album is definitely more historically significant, uh, no matter who you're asking, than the Steely Dan album. And I kind of got the impression that because they had returned after like decades of not having albums come out, that it was kind of, oh, they've it's their turn more or less or mm-hmm. or so to say in the the music industry to win that kind of award even though they're the kind of people that didn't give a fuck about the award yeah exactly so i guess like i wouldn't uh it, it, it might have more to do with where they are professionally or career wise for some of these like if if like that's why i don't expect billy eilish to win a ton cuz i know she already won a ton the previous year yeah exactly i don't think billy eilish is going to like really dominate like she actually came out with a full-length studio album last year, and everything that she's been putting out since has been mostly singles and EPs and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I don't even know if she released an EP, but she had like several chart-topping singles, uh, at least that were released either in the latter half of 2019 and also in 2020 as well. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I'm not sure if any of those songs were quite as successful as like Bad Guy was, for example. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, record of the year, which is like the one category that is probably the most prominent in the Grammys, uh, sometimes a little bit controversial. Uh, this is one category where I, I don't have like a high degree of confidence in my decision. Uh, I previously said that Dua Lipa would sweep this category, or not this category necessarily, but would sweep and have several awards. I actually think that I'm going to... Um, uh, I'm going to put money or not money, but I'm going to, um, you're going to put money. Sure. I'll put money. <laughs> it won't be a lot, uh, because the odds are not in my favor, but, uh, I'm going to say that it's probably going to be don't start now by Dua Lipa. Uh, just because, mm. 
I, I'm just basing it totally on longevity in the charts, and also um, uh, just in the in the production as well. Like we were talking about how uh, prominent like '80s and '70s revival was. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's this is like one of the few songs that does it like really well. Um, mm. And I we'll talk about some of the snubs like right after this, but. Uh, uh, this is just like my, my predictions like this. I, I don't have as much confidence in my predictions as I did for like the election. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm just I just actually want to see how like to what degree my predictions differ from reality. I will say similar to the election. Uh, I think the results of the same is not Kanye. Yeah. 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 Famously not, absent even Kanye. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, of the ones that I've listened to, because I haven't listened to the Dua Lipa one, so I'm qualifying the ones that I can remember the songs to any extent. So that would be Savage mm-hmm. uh, by Megan Thee Stallion, Circles, Post Malone, Everything I Wanted, Billie Eilish, Say So, Doja Cat, uh, and that's it. Um, so of the ones I listened to, um, I'm going to guess probably the Megan Thee Stallion one, because she kind of... It's got Beyonce on it too, and you know she she had a she had a good year. Uh, Maybe they'll give it to her. I think that like I I would probably not like of all the ones that I that I see on the list, I I doubt it's gonna be that one. Okay, well I'm putting money we'll against that song I haven't even heard. So like, do you actually want to like make a bet on the record for this? <laughs> um, well, I guess if neither of us, I, I guess the bet's off if if neither of us uh, are correct. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I can say you can still give me money if you're wrong. <laughs> if you're right, no, we'll bet on yours. I mean, I think it probably will be Dua Lipa just because I don't know that artist, but I've heard good things about Dua Lipa this year. Yeah, well, well probably only for me. I actually liked uh, Future Nostalgia, which is the LP she came out with this year. Mm. But, I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like all of these could... The thing about the Grammy Awards is weird is that they always have these bizarre choices, in every category. I mean, unless one artist sweeps, uh, they, they yeah. always have like just the, the weirdest choices. And also famously absent from this list is The weekend. And I, I think everybody's probably mm. already talked about this, just how like aggressively snubbed he was. But I don't even think he was n- nominated in uh, the dance category as well. Uh, I can check. No, <laughs> he, was, he wasn't even nominated in the category that, would, that was like specifically pigeonholed to his genre. Which is crazy. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I enjoyed his song that we listened to that one time. Yeah, Blinding Lights. Yeah. That was a that was a good record. And I was just I, I was thinking that uh it was crazy that some of these songs were nominated. Like like to to be completely honest, like uh for example, the song Savage appears a few times. Uh I actually yeah. I it was a pretty like relatively underwhelming song, especially with compared to a lot of these other songs. Like I thought Circles by Post Malone was like a solid track. Uh, Don't Start Now is great. Uh, like all these songs are like, I have mostly a positive view on, but, uh, Sav is just like kind of a middling track to be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I, that one has had more staying power than I gave it credit for initially. Like I can at least like imagine part of it in my head now, Mm. you know, like it's one that I recognize a little more, maybe because, uh, Megan Thee Stallion has been a little more prolific. Yeah. I a little more present, I guess, in the present. Yeah, weird enough that weird that WAP wasn't nominated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe it, it's like 
the safe choice to nominate Savage or something. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, I would have picked WAP. I thought that was the song of the year just, uh, uh, you know, in, in society. It epitomized this year, for sure. Yes, yes. What, like, what I find strange is that Rockstar was nominated. Now, like, I, I, I think that, um, like, a lot of these songs were nominated probably just based purely on uh, how successful they were commercially. And Rockstar mm-hmm. is definitely no exception to that. But it is such an unremarkable song. Like, it, it, uh, it's probably even more boring than Savage. Uh, but I, I don't know how, just, I don't even know how commercially successful that song, or, or why that song was as commercially successful as it was. But it actually stayed on the Billboard Top 100 for a long time. Yeah. And I have no fucking clue why. It is just like the most unremarkable, like rapping over a uh, repeating sample. Uh, Savage is kind of the same thing, but at least it's got Beyonce on it, you know? Well, uh, I, I will say I'm uh, I'm more warming up to Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah. Since our initial, like each uh, encounter with Megan Thee Stallion, I think I'm, I'm understanding her stuff better well in each encounter with Megan the stallion i feel as though she's always like sidelined in in a way you know what i'm saying yeah i do get that like i Um, I feel as though like cardi b had more of a role on wap than she did although it's kind of hard to say because uh her she's stylistically similar to the to the other artists who she collaborates with yeah like she yeah she works with a lot of people that are of her same genre and stuff of her ilk with the exception of rob beyonce yeah. Uh, but uh, last week or last episode, um, there had been a, a recent Megan Thee Stallion song uh, that just didn't make it to the because we only we generally only do three Joe Pastor smash when we do it. And that was like probably the fourth one I would have picked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that one I enjoyed as well. Retroactively. Oh, yeah. So Megan Thee yeah. Stallion is a or WAP is a Cardi B song featuring Megan Thee Stallion. Yes. Yeah. Was Cardi B in the lists at all? Uh, I don't think so. Although Car- Cardi B was not as prominent this year as she was uh, in 2019. I don't think so. Yeah, but she had WAP. Yeah, but uh, strangely and, uh, enough, just due to how She had bizarre. that one with 6 9 Yeah. Um, also probably not on the list. No, no. Oddly enough. But I, I don't think a lot of uh, 6 9 songs that came out on his recent albums... Uh, were individually that successful. Um, I think there were one yeah. or two that uh, right after they debuted, they were um, on the top 100, but they, they had a kind of meteoric fall after that. Well, to be fair, he was just getting out of prison, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I think a lot of... Uh, he definitely had a lot of spotlight for his initial return, I guess. Oh, like, we probably. had one that right in uh, the beginning of Joe Pass, Just Smash, that reviewed of his... Because it seemed like everyone was 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 into six nine for a bit there. Yeah, he bases his entire career on that sense of notoriety for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like going like I, I'm trying to like differentiate uh, why I'm surprised f- with like the the commercial reasons and also my personal opinion. Like when I'm talking about Rockstar, obviously that was a, a much like a huge like a commercially successful song. Like uh, it had. Uh, uh, quite a substantial amount of longevity on the charts, but 
like just a, a bizarrely underwhelming song when I listen to it. Anyway, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't want to necessarily dwell on it. I actually didn't listen to Black Parade by Beyonce, or at least I don't think that uh, I ever did this past year. It must have come out like the like the early half of 2020 because I don't remember ever listening to that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I doubt that Beyonce will win for record of the, <laughs> of the year. I feel like uh, she's an artist that is just kind of taking it easy now, you know, featuring, uh, doing her own stuff that's a little more, like, artistic, uh, a little less in the the pop, like, absolute top of the pop spotlight, the top of pop. She did that song that was in Lion King? Yeah. Did she? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't watch the 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 Lion Lion King. Okay. She played the woman lion, and then they added an original <laughs> song in it, and Beyonce was singing on that. The woman lion? They did lion? a song just so Beyonce could sing it. I'm guessing the older woman lion. What's that? The woman lion? The older woman yeah. lion? <laughs> what? Okay, so I've, so I've seen the original Lion King, but I haven't seen the, yeah. the um, live-action remake. I'm sure, uh, I'm assuming she played uh, um, Sarabi. The woman lion. Who is... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like his, his uh, Simba's wife. Oh, Simba's wife. Yeah, not his mom. Oh, that's what I assumed. Are you sure about that? You, you thought it was his mom. I feel like uh, uh, they would have gotten a younger actress to voice. <laughs> well, well, Simba was um, uh, Donald Glover. Yeah. So they, I think they were going for like musicians and stuff. Singers. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But I'm, what I'm saying is that I um, Beyonce is. She like, didn't play the, the line when it was a kid. No, no, I'm saying that I, I assume that um, uh, Beyonce would have played uh, uh, Mufasa's uh, wife. Yeah, Mufasa's wife doesn't get a song. That's true. That's true. But I feel like... Like James Earl Jones didn't lay down any tracks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I actually... I didn't watch the most recent Lion King. Did you watch it? I did. And it was it was a movie. Yep. She she played Nala, who is the... Yep, that's what I, I said. The woman lion. The woman should we go to some Joe Pass slash Joe Smash? You bet your ass. Joe Pass or Joe Smash. Okay, um, so the first one on the list, uh, uh, we got Mariah Carey back in, in the world with a Christmas song, and you're thinking, she already has a Christmas song, and you would be right. She has the Christmas song, and now... Because all the money she makes from Christmas song each year was not enough. She made a second Christmas song. And she brought her friends because she wanted to share in that Christmas spirit with her friends. And I'm, <laughs> I'm saying this like it's a Christmas story because it is. And then, to all a good night. This is, uh, this song originally came out in 2010. Uh, this is just a, re, uh, a redux that features, um, uh, who does it feature? Uh, Ariana Grande. Yeah, and, uh, and Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson, Hudson as well. Hudson. Yeah, but then they'll be getting that, that royalty money exactly. for years to come. Yeah. Well, it's it's weird that, I mean, like, I, I kind of understand why they decided to go for Ariana Grande. Uh, but I feel as though Ariana Grande was kind of outperformed by Mariah Carey and Jennifer Hudson on this track. Because I feel yeah. as though um, Ariana Grande's style of singing is more of a soft kind of um, breathy neo R and B style, whereas Mariah Carey and Jennifer Hunstead I see are more like, you know, yeah. the comprehensive <clears throat> singer. They can sing in like any style, really. Yeah. 
And I'm uh, there's a few points where Mariah Carey uh, does that flageolet, like the the whistle thing where she sings really high. Yeah, where it's too high to even be a song I want to listen to. <laughs> yeah, she does the uh, <laughs> uh, the Whitney Houston. But no, like I'm not sure if uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen Ariana Grande do the flageolet as well. But uh, yeah. it's like Mariah Carey and Jennifer Hudson have more like fullness and kind of you know, texture to their vocals. I feel like they they drastically outperform Ariana Grande. And this is like a more kind of louder in your face kind of track. It's very up tempo. So I didn't. Uh, it's kind of strange that Ariana Grande uh, kind of featured on this track, but. Uh, like I'm not saying that she's a bad vocalist because she's like obviously a very good vocalist, but stylistically, I feel like she's uh, she's kind of out of her depth here. <laughs> yeah, I assume that any of these artists, you know, if Mariah Carey says, "Hey, I'm I'm doing another Christmas song, uh, do you want to be on it?" They would say absolutely, regardless of the context, because she has the most probably financially successful Christmas song of the modern era. Yeah. So I think that everyone just wants that, that sweet Christmas money. Probably. That Christmas spirit. Spirit. He has what, sir? Yep. Spirit. <laughs> uh, about 11, sir. I don't think that's... <laughs> I don't a, know what that's from. Was Life of Brian a Christmas movie? Oh, um, I don't think so. Well, well it, it is now. Wasn't it a... It was, isn't that an Easter movie? Well, it's... Uh, uh, oh, Yeah. It's the crucifixion of Brian. But wouldn't that be... Oh, yeah, that would be Easter, wouldn't it? Right? Because it's not the birth. Yeah. Although it also has his birth as well, so it is a Christmas movie. It's true. God damn. Yeah, but I thought this this song was... Uh, it was okay. I don't know the 2010 version you mentioned, but for what this was, I Oops. thought it was a song that I can expect to hear again next Christmas. It was a song. You know, it was a Christmas yep. song. It was like... It's an aggressively Christmas song. Uh like I don't know, I'm a boomer, so I like uh, I like me some Vince Guaraldi. Uh I like me some uh, uh, you know Bing Crosby, uh, a lot of the the older fellas who are now dead. Um, I I like the the vibe, the of uh, a little bit of Christmas jazz. That's because uh, yeah. you know uh, I I've uh, worked in retail before. And uh, I've been inundated with these songs, and every time I hear them, uh, I feel like I've been conditioned to vomit. Uh, mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, um, listening to this song was uh, a little bit of an exercise in sadomasochism. Uh, so, <laughs> um, which, if you're into that, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and this kind of, and you have the same response to these kind of songs then uh, go for it. But uh, for me, it's just yeah, not for me. It's a little too aggressively this, Christmassy. Uh, yeah, I would say this one, it's no whatever that other song where I carry does for Christmas, the all I want for Christmas is you. It's no that one. But I can see it being played on the radio to kind of mix up the amount of that other song as being the most famous song. I can picture it getting on the, the radio at Christmas time. So I think it served its purpose of... Uh, Mariah Carey's paychecks will keep coming in. For sure. Yep. Uh, Mariah Carey, I mean, uh, she's pretty much a, a Christmas staple now. I mean, for better or for worse. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was probably the biggest song. <laughs> the other songs are, are just kind of like shoe-ins. <laughs> so wait, bit. did you Joe Pass or Joe Smash? Oh, yeah. I guess we have to actually <laughs> do our verdict. Uh, this one's a Joe Pass for me. <laughs> um. I will say, even in terms of Christmas songs, I'll give it a Joe Pass. 
Um, but in terms of Christmas songs, I'll give that other All I Want for Christmas is You. That one is a Joe Smash for Christmas songs. Well, um, they I, I'm not sure if uh, I would say that the... Uh, I, I particularly love All I Want for Christmas is You. Um, it's regardless yeah, but I'm, of I gave it the the condition that of Christmas songs. Yeah, true. Uh, it's still kind of a Joe Pass for me, to be honest with you. Uh, but mm. but Mariah Carey, uh, I think that she's a great vocalist. Um, so I want to be yeah. absolutely fair and or balanced with my critique. Like, imagine that you only had to hear that song one time per year and you hadn't been conditioned via sadomasochism or whatever the fuck by being in a grocery store. I, it would still be pretty underwhelming. <laughs> okay. But speaking of grocery stores and amazing Christmas albums. Um, stay tuned for a later segment where I will combine both. Nice. <laughs> the teaser. Um, for the next song of BTS, Life Goes On, I will say that uh, I don't think I've heard a BTS song before, and I don't think that I heard one this time. <laughs> Did you listen oh, to, these, uh, to these two songs? I listened to the second one, and then okay. I don't think I finished listening to the first one. Um, but I don't think that K-pop... I'm not a K-pop stan. Okay. Uh, I, I thought the song was okay. I mean, uh, it is a it is a K-pop song. Uh, I, I feel like I understand why K-pop is so uh, successful in the Western music industry. Uh, if I could guess, it's probably because uh, you know it feels a little more... Uh, kind of youthful and optimistic when compared to a lot of uh, Western pop music. And uh, I'll just also say that I like to hear a little bit of that uh, uh, minor fourth chord in pop music. Always nice to hear. Very refreshing. Um, and that's mm -hmm. pretty much all I have to say. Uh, I give it a very, very soft Joe Smash. Uh, I will give it, uh, I will listen to it properly next time. Uh, Joe, listen next time. Yeah, fair enough. 24k golden what is that how you read it sure <laughs> okay i uh i was vibing for a bit in this one i mean i don't know the artist but i'll probably listen to it again to be sure but i thought for something that i've never even heard of before i enjoyed it more than i was expecting to that's all i really have to say about it yeah um i i thought that um Instrumentally and uh, vocally, the song was a little better than a lot of, uh, you know, other stuff of the same ilk. Um, I feel like when it comes to trap music, uh, in order to create a passable trap song, all you really have to do is find a sample, loop it, get some 808s, and then just kind of lazily lay down a couple of bars over top that don't even necessarily, uh, you know, follow the rhythm scheme at all. This is a little different. I feel like there's at least an attempt to... to uh, you know, uh, do some like passable singing. Although I, 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 I would say it's probably Melodyne to all hell, which is why it, you know, has almost mm. like a, a too good quality to the singing. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, it was an okay track. Uh, I give it a very kind of soft, uh, I would say that I would give it a soft Joe, Joe, Joe pass. As you can mm -hmm. tell, I was kind of vacillating between which one I wanted to choose, but yeah. Uh, I would I would give it a Joe Meh just Joe to uh, I'll, I'll probably listen to it again. I, I feel like I didn't give the three of these tracks the kind of attention that the last week three or last episode three tracks got. Mm -hmm. um, but that also speaks to the the caliber of the last episode's three tracks. Yeah, 
So these ones weren't uh, to the same standard, but I'll probably end up listening to them again just to solidify an opinion. Fair enough. And now for the best segment, objectively, Get Wrecked Nerd. Get Wrecked Nerd. Okay. Hell yeah, brother. I'm gonna I'm gonna wreck to you, nerd. Uh the album Band on the Run by Paul McCartney and Wings. Um so if you know me, which at this point I think you probably should, uh, or else you're very inconsiderate, Aiden. Um, but I am a McCartney stan. And this is really? <laughs> this is the uh, one of the best albums that he's done, I would say this is the Ram of Paul McCartney and Wings, whereas uh, Ram is the Ram of Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney. And I would say uh, so far McCartney 1 is the Ram of McCartney albums. But I would I would make an argument that this album is probably better than Ram. I would, I would, I would listen to that argument. I don't know if I would... Uh, I, I would entertain that opinion uh and it very well may be better but i don't officially want to go on record as saying so but this is probably what i would consider his biggest post beatles album i think um i've mentioned before with previous uh paul mccartney stuff i like an amount of his albums weren't necessarily commercially successful or at least uh critically acclaimed upon release and they were kind of more retroactively critically acclaimed um but i would say that this one i think when it was when it came out it it had an amount of critical acclaim or at least you know well-reviewed compared to something like ram at the time but yeah this one it definitely feels like a real like he he had finally kind of found hit where his where his thing was in the post Beatles world and I would say every song on it is kind of like in Ram where you know once you listen to the album several dozen times uh, they kind of just become so excellent with that McCartneyness of Paul McCartney so if you've enjoyed Paul McCartney this is like this is like Ram caliber McCartney except in Wings form okay. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely give it a go. Uh, I, uh, so my, like, uh, obviously, as I've said before, uh, I've, I've listened to a little bit of Car- Paul McCartney's solo stuff now, just basically, uh, just judging by, uh, your recommendations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, it's been all right. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I don't have the same level of enthusiasm that you do, but uh, I'll, I'll definitely give it a go because I actually don't think I've, or I definitely haven't listened to this album uh, from beginning to end. But uh, this is probably, like you said, one of his most cl- critically acclaimed albums, especially uh, uh, like post Beatles. And I guess since this is a Paul McCartney and Wings song, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. So I'll, I'll yep. definitely give it a go. Uh, I wanted to recommend. Uh, a song or a song well I guess uh, a set of songs which is what an album is uh, by uh, producer and musician and painter and photographer uh, Brian Eno um, I wanted to recommend the album Before and After Science by Brian Eno um, I actually hadn't listened to this album in a long time uh, I got into it a while back um, when I was kind of exploring um, 
not only Eno, but also the artists who are kind of related to him in any kind of nebulous way. Um, he was, you know, most famous for being a producer. He's worked with um, uh, Talking Heads and a lot of like the No Wave bands, and uh, he's worked with, uh, you know, Coldplay, U2, and uh, you know, a lot of like huge artists. David Bowie. David Bowie he's worked on the Berlin trilogy. Uh, you know, uh, a, a producer with a lot of accolades, but also uh, a solo artist of some repute as well. Uh, Before and After Science is probably my favorite album of his, at least in a solo capacity. Uh, that is not one of his ambient albums, uh, in which case I would probably judge it totally differently. Uh, it leans heavily in a um, kind of like a funky new wave trajectory. Uh, there's a there's a lot of sonic experimentation, which e even on the albums that are more straightforward for Eno, uh, is kind of a staple of his records. Um, there's a lot of songs that are just like like perfectly like earwormy and like catchy as well. Um, I'm not sure if uh, Robert Fripp plays on this one, but um, he's also collaborated with Robert Fripp, who was the uh, primary guitarist and I believe the current guitarist of Kim King Crimson as well. But, and I will confirm that Robert Fripp was on the album. Yeah, Robert Fripp played on this album as well. Um, yeah, I just highly recommend uh, Brian Eno's Before and After Science. Okay, I will say that I have enjoyed uh, his influence on such bands as The Talking Heads and David Bowie. Uh, so I will probably listen to this album because I've never heard him as a solo musician or as a, you know, not collaborator with as producer kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, his, so, uh, it's pretty obvious what his strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he, he sings on his records and he's not like a, a fantastic singer. Uh, but, um, like there's a surprising degree of, uh, um, accessibility to his music, even on the more experimental tracks. Yeah. I'll definitely, I'll definitely check that wreck nerd. You've been wrecked nerd. It's good, in it? Yeah. Uh, should we do a bit of SoundCloud shout-out? Yeah, go for it. So in previous weeks, I've forgone my SoundCloud shout-out, but there's an album that I've been, you know, that has been almost a private pleasure for many years because they, it's a account that does not have the critical acclaim that it deserves. And that also that, that account only has one album, and it is this album. Uh, so the group is called Bag and the Groceries. It is a, what I'll now describe as grocery core. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it is also a Christmas album. So the album is called Merry Bagmas. And uh, I will say that when uh, I had a track that came out earlier this year that I would also describe as grocery core, uh, Plight of Bare Essentials, uh, the, it was the when I heard the line about groceries, it was the first thing I thought about was the bag in the groceries album. Uh, so yeah, it's a Christmas album themed around grocery store. Um, I'll actually pull up the album to to read off some tracks because it is an excellent track list just of its own. Um, I believe that also the uh, one of the guys bag from the group. Uh, I think he is a SoundCloud musician that I would also just shout out in general because he's been following me for years and years. Yeah, so the uh, the, the main guy, Bag, uh, he's uh, also got an account called Orphilius, which is um, 
He's a guy that's been following me since the very beginning, and he is probably, of people that I haven't met in real life, uh, the number one listener of tracks on my SoundCloud account. And I think number one on my account is Aiden. So other than that, like he's the next person that is someone that I haven't met in real life. But uh, Mary Bagmus, some of the tracks include uh, Shopping Cart Slay, Eggnog, The Perfect Tree, Merry Christmas from Isle 3, and then some of the other ones are not as good. Uh, Gingerbread Boy, that's another good one. The other ones are more like generic Christmassy, but I like things like Shopping Cart Slay, Merry Christmas from Mile 3. Uh, all these things are just so so identifiable from the grocery core Christmas mashup genre. And I stand a grocery album. All right. And the album cover is a beautiful work of art where it's the three of them. You know, one of them is a dude just with a wreath around his face. Uh, and uh, you can see the man bag himself. He is wearing a Santa hat and then a white shopping bag around his ears like a Santa beard. So it's an essential Christmas and grocery core LP. Yes. All right. Bag and the groceries. All right. I shall check it out. Um, for this particular podcast, I didn't really have a, like a, a specific SoundCloud shout out in mind. Uh, that was until I found this artist. Um, the, the artist's name is Idealism. Uh, he has a somewhat successful SoundCloud account already. So this is not a, me, a case shouting out somebody who only has like 15 followers or something like that. Uh, I, this, although he does have several followers on SoundCloud, uh, or many followers on SoundCloud, uh, he uh, uh, is not quite as successful, you know, commercially still. So I, f- I feel like um, he still deserves a little bit of a shout out. Um, he is mainly uh, his main kind of genre that he works in is kind of instrumental hip hop, I guess you could say. Uh, but there's a lot of like really uh, a lot of like jazzier stuff, a lot more kind of like melancholic stuff. But it's all uh, based around uh, uh, mostly piano as well. And I don't know if he's actually using a real acoustic piano, but the way that the piano is uh, either mic'd or the way that the samples are, uh, you know, EQ'd or produced or whatever is actually just like really nice, really aesthetically pleasing. Um, And uh, it's more of the sound design itself that I would say makes the music of idealism good um, than than the uh, composition itself. It's a very kind of vibe type uh, atmosphere that he's kind of going for, but it's very, uh, it's very soothing. And, uh, I don't know. I feel like instrumental hip hop in general is, uh, you know, it's a, you know, you either love it or you hate it. Uh, well, I don't know if anybody would necessarily hate it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a genre of music that uh, definitely has a, a vibe and aesthetic to it. And, uh, you know, it's easy to consider it boring, but, uh, I like instrumental hip hop that doesn't necessarily depend on the formula of just like finding a Grant Green sample and then uh, uh, looping some like soft like 808 sample over top of it. And in this case, I actually like that he uh, at least composes his own music and uh, uh, tries to at least kind of design uh, a sort of space and an aesthetic for it that is. Uh, very nice, very soothing, and uh, you know, occasionally kind of uh, melancholic type atmosphere. I really dig it. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast, podcast where we talk about the music and the world of music and just music in general. I've been Sam Dow. And I'm Ann Claire. And make sure to smash, to Joe, smash that subscribe button on any app that will allow such a button to be Joe smashed. Uh, goodbye. Oh yeah, brother. <laughs>